Hey, good Monday afternoon to you. Welcome on into lunch with Klaibs and Joe. Dot com. I am Joe Roderick, joined alongside by Mike Claiborne, here with you for the next uh, 45 minutes, hour or so, going over everything happening in the world of sports, uh, locally and nationally. But, uh, Klaibs, I, I want to start off today with um, some, some sad news that we received over the weekend as a Cardinal, longtime Cardinal player and broadcaster, uh, Tim McCarver passed away on Friday. I know you and Tim were real close over the uh, the years, so I wanted to uh, just let you uh, let you give your thoughts on uh, on the late Tim McCarver. Well, you know, Tim McCarver meant a lot to a lot of people. Uh, he was a good friend to me. Uh, he and Bob Gibson and Mike Shan, all three of them were close, going back to the days in the minors together. Um, and over the course of time, I've really gotten to know him, and I always felt that Tim McCarver might be his best prepared analyst as we've seen for baseball, for sure. Um, very kind, very knowledgeable. I mean, there weren't many things Tim McCarver didn't know about. I mean, he was like a trivia savant. As I always said, you know, if they put you and me on the same uh, kiosk for Jeopardy, uh, we, we'd make a lot of money that day. Uh, but he was an interesting person, came from a very uh, conservative background in Memphis, Tennessee, his dad was a police officer, and he readily admitted he'd never been around a black person be before he was 17 years old until he got to the minors. Uh, he and Bob Gibson had a very unique relationship initially, and that forged into something that, uh, you know, is so special. It was an incredible bond that they had uh, near the end of their lives. And uh, he's just a good man, uh, very kind in, in a lot of different ways, uh, and a guy that we sorely will miss. Uh, because of his influence and impact on the game. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I thought when he and Dan McLaughlin worked together, that might have been as good of a production of Cardinal baseball on TV in the last 35 years. Oh, it's, uh, you know, I, I say this often that St. Louis, you know, going around, traveling around, listening to other broadcast crews for all sports around the country, that St. Louis has far and away the the greatest broadcasting teams <coughs> in in all sports and it never got better when the two of them were working together. I, I feel like you you could tell how much Dan enjoyed doing the games with Tim more than as much as, you know, I, I think you see it. You you heard it all the time when Dan was doing games with Brad Thompson, that he was having a good time. But when he was with Tim, I just felt like that broadcast was always so locked in. And the, the Cardinal fans got something really special out of a broadcast that the two of them were doing together. And I, I remember when it was first announced that Tim was doing the games for the Cardinals, when I was doing radio back, I think it was on 920 back in the day, had him on the show and just calling him, getting, you know, getting in touch with him. Tim had never met me, never talked to me before a day mm -hmm. in my life. And, you know, getting him on the, the phone conversation that he and I had when I was just trying to book him for the show, he just wanted to sit and talk during that and could not have been a nicer guy to me, a person he had never met before in his life um, and was kind to me throughout all the years. First time I think I actually ever met him was in the uh, dining room at Wrigley Field uh, up there. So getting to uh, getting to talk to him and actually meet him and talk to him there. Just a very, very nice person. Every interaction I ever had with him. Really knew the game um, and also knew how to mesh the game of today to the era that he played in and found his spots to be able to correlate the two. Um, but, you know, you, you mentioned he was a talker. Yeah, he, he certainly was. And and what he said uh, probably had some merit to it. So uh, we're going to miss him. Uh, it, it was interesting. I think I talked to him maybe two months ago, right around the holidays. And, you know, I know he dealt with a lot. You know, losing Bob Gibson and some other people doing COVID really put him in a bad way uh, because I think he looked around and all of the people he'd been around most of his life uh, weren't there anymore. But uh, uh, I I try and close my eyes and think about the good times I had with him compared to how his life ended. You uh you know we we saw the pictures that you posted of Tim McCarver after he uh, after he passed away. Everybody remembers the story of Bob Euchre and the uh, and the tuba. And I think uh, when people see that picture, they remember the time the Brewers were in town and. Tim McCarver and, and Mike Shannon presented Bob Euchre with a uh, with a tuba of his own. Yeah, that was funny. Um, it really it was Mike because so Mike and I was sitting in the in the booth one day that that it was a day game 
And for some reason, he just pulled the Euchre story out of his hat. And I, I'd heard it before. He said, I wonder where I can get a tuba at. And I'm thinking, well, you know, pawn shops normally have musical instruments, but I don't know if they're going to have a tuba or not. But this one happened to have one. It was right near the brewery, which is close to the ballpark. And uh, <clears throat> the problem they had, Mike bought the tuba. They couldn't get it through security. What, what do you need a tuba for here at the ballpark? So somebody had to go down and explain to him. So he told Tim, hey, I want you to come over. I got something for you. I think it was like the seventh inning. Or maybe it was before the game. It may have been before the game. And so then he tells Euchre, he says, get Euchre on your way over. So they come in together, and Mike presents Euchre with this tuba. And the look on McCarver's face, because he was in shock just like Euchre was, that somebody could find a tuba to present to him. And uh, it was one of the more memorable stories. Uh, we had some great stories when we did shows from Mike Shannon's restaurant. Uh, so a lot of good times to remember from Tim McCarver. Yeah, a, uh, I, I saw comparisons this weekend calling him the John Madden of baseball as far as going from on the field to the booth and what he meant to the game. When you think about all of the World Series that Tim called with Joe Buck over the years, kind of uh, one of those soundtracks of a lot of people's childhoods. Well, I think the the biggest tribute you can have toward Tim McCarver he was on every network that carried baseball. And you think about that for a minute. He was at ABC and NBC and CBS and, you know, Fox. I mean, he's been everywhere. And I think that says all you need to know about how much people thought of his his uh, ability to really teach the game and talk the game. And uh, that that's something that we just don't see as much anymore. And I don't know if we'll see it again in the near future. Madden was kind of that same way. Started at CBS and ended up at Fox and, you know, I mean, he, he was a gold standard and I would say Tim would be also. Uh, yeah, we will, uh, we'll miss him, miss hearing his voice. Um, um, I know it'd been a few years, but it was a, uh, it was a joy to have him calling Cardinal baseball for the few years that he was towards the, uh, towards the end. Speaking of Cardinal baseball today was the first full day of practices, uh, full team practices. We know that Bullpens have been thrown, batting practice has been taken the past uh, the past week, but now it is officially spring training. The uh, the squad was out there today. It's been nice, Klaibs. Uh First week of uh, players reporting, it's been very quiet. There has been no news. And let's keep it that way. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> this is the first official day, but as I've been telling you, that they could have done this two weeks ago and just about everybody was here. I mean, with the exception of, I think, three minor leaguers, everybody was here as of Friday. Uh, so it was one of those deals where it was just a, you know, it, 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 the Cardinals are already ahead of the, ahead of the curve as are a lot of teams, as far as actual report day, but today you put your uniform on or your, your, your spring training uniform, you go through the drills, you know, practices are a little different because they're focusing on things that are going to be new to the game with regard to infield plays and things of that nature the pitch clock they have a pitch clock out on the field as well when they throw batting practice live bp so little things like that they're trying to make sure that they stay on par with uh but you know day one kind of quiet let's keep it that way let me uh so let me ask you this as uh, as you saw day one we saw the big names take batting practice today give me your here on uh here on february 20th Opening day is what, March 30th, March 31st, um, yeah. around then? All right, give me your start opening day starting lineup. Okay, who am I facing? You're facing the, I mean, they're they're facing the Blue Jays. I mean, is he a lefty or a righty? Blue Jays, they're, I mean, their starter would be Gossman, right? So he's a righty. Okay. So in no particular order, uh, these are the, the guys that are going to be in the lineup. You can figure out the, the order. Edmund. Goldschmidt, Arenado. Uh, You're going back to Goldschmidt second, huh? No, no, no. No particular order. These oh, okay. No, that's that what I'm asking is the order because oh, I, you I want to know. You want an order. Yeah, I want okay. a lineup. Um, Edmund, Contreras, Goldschmidt. Um, Arenado, Donovan, Gorman. Um, Newt Barr. And uh, who else do I have? Do I have everybody? Did you get O'Neal? You didn't throw O'Neal in there. Yeah, I didn't, did I? Okay, no. so O'Neal hits, hits after Donovan. 
followed okay. by Newt Bar. So does that cover everybody? I think it did. I'm uh, uh, I'm, I'm I'm a little I'm intrigued by uh, you uh, putting Contreras in the two spots. Well, a couple of things. One, Contreras can handle the bat. He's not a guy that's going to be a big strikeout guy. He can move a runner along. Uh, it gives you a little thump in the top of the order where maybe you can get a run across the plate in the first inning. Um, so, and, and again, I, I think it really depends on who is hitting well that you can plug in the fifth spot. If you don't have anybody hitting well in the fifth spot, maybe you plug him in there or maybe you move uh, – you know, Donovan up. I mean, there's a lot of different things you can do. I just think right now, as you mentioned, this is the first day. That's what I would do on the first day. Now that could change immensely uh, here in the very near future. Uh, now, wh- who do I use for my DH? Oh, uh, Gorman. Yeah, because I'm facing a right-hander. Yeah. Yeah, I would. That's yeah. It's still it, it's still fresh. I mean, we we should be used to it by now, but it's still fresh having that DH and putting that DH in the lineup. I I just think all the hype that we heard around Newt Bar and the, the offseason, I feel like Newt Bar works his way into that top two in the lineup. Top two what? Top two in the lineup. So you think he's going to hit in the two spot? I think Edmund or Newt Bar hit one, two. I think you, well, one, two, you flip those two around, and then you go Goldschmidt, Arenado, Contreras, three, four, well, five. Here's my only concern about that. I got to make sure Newt Bar doesn't get himself out with the strikeout. Right. Because he's a pull hitter. Uh, if he went the other way a little bit more, I probably would be a little bit more comfortable with that. So let's just see how he – that's why I want to move him down in the order mm-hmm. where he could drive in runs from that area. Uh, but, again, it just depends on how he swings the bat. Yeah. So uh, plenty – when's the uh, – what is the first game? When do players leave to go report to their uh, countries for World That'll Baseball take place Classic? probably around March – anywhere between March 4th and March 6th. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, everybody's kind of, so right now we have like 19 players that are supposed to be on somebody's team. Although Henesis Cabrera is kind of like on the taxi squad. He doesn't know whether he has to report yet or not. Uh, as they're still trying to put their roster together. So you're going to have some situations where some guys are going to be on hold. And here's the other thing. While this, this thing may last for a while, that doesn't mean all the players that are going to go away are going to be on a team that's going to be able to advance. Right. I don't think Team Canada is going to be in it very long. And Team Italy not going to be in it very long. T- team Israel may not be in it very long. So, you know, I think you have the Pacific Rim teams, certainly the uh, the Caribbean teams, and, and the United States are going to probably be the ones who are going to be the, the ones that could probably find themselves in the Final Four. Yeah, I think it's it's safe to say that uh, you you won't be one, once they leave, you're not going to see the guys on Team USA or Lars Nupar with Japan probably until the end of March. That, yeah. That's probably going to be yeah for those. I don't I don't know how far Korea makes it, and they don't have anybody on the Dominican Republic. So I think outside of that, I think those are those are my four teams to watch right there. Unless uh, Yachty can rally the troops in Venezuela and get them to. Uh, make a nice run well we shall see uh yeah. the, the one flaw about this thing is that we're not using the pitch clock and the new the new rules as far as the bases and things of that nature and i think for some of these pitches that's a disservice uh they're gonna have to figure out how to use this thing and use it quick and not to be able to have it involved in this i i really wonder about that so um we'll have to see how they adjust now if you're the cardinals you really don't care with the exception of Giovanni Gallegos because Michaelis and Wainwright work fairly quick. Gallegos, we we've documented that countless times before on his pace. So and Pilante works reasonably quick. So you know from a pitching standpoint, I'm not sure if it's going to affect the Cardinals as much as maybe it might some teams with more veterans on the ball club. Last thing to get to baseball wise, uh, they just came out. I saw DraftKings just came out recently with their over. Wait a minute, is that the DraftKings? It's like a billion dollars in the hole for the second consecutive year. I don't know. I'm not, I don't, I don't look at that stuff. I just place my $1 bets on things. Okay. That's, that's, that's the only concern I have. Uh, as far as that goes, that's where I look for all of my wagers, all of my uh, lines over unders, all that stuff. But they came out. That's uh that's just the only one I've seen. They've come out with their over unders for win totals for the 2023 season. Last year, I think they put the Cardinals like 83, 84 wins. And that was just free money put it on there and just, you know, waited till they hit that number to be able to cash out on that this year, though, they have the Cardinals at 88 and a half. 
Okay. That's I my my I think, thinking behind that is they easily coast to winning the NL Central. At what point do they realize they have it? They can let the foot off the gas. They don't need to get to, you know, 92 wins or so to clinch the NL Central. Well, there's a couple of things I think you have to take into account. Um, with the balanced schedule, <clears throat> you're not going to beat up on some of the bad teams as much as you used to, or will the bad teams that you normally don't face remain bad? Uh, I think that's something we have to take into account because I'm not sure if there's going to be a Dodger-esque team that's going to run away with 105 wins or something along that line. I think with the balanced schedule, you're going to see a little bit more competitive play, uh, or you're going to see that American League team that you weren't used to seeing fill in the gap of the times you beat the Pittsburgh Pirates. So you, you have to take that into account. I, I, I think 90 is probably more of a realistic number. Uh, you can probably get to 94 if, you know, if, if things go right. I right. think obviously your pitching's got to be good. But, you know, the Cardinals don't really have a hole. They may not have the recognizable names, especially from a, a uh, dominant pitching staff, but I would ask who does. I mean, their order every day seems to be reasonably competitive. I, I'm anxious to see how they hit with a new hitting coach and assistant hitting coach. Uh, that's going to have an impact on it. But I think overall, um, I think the Cardinals can play with anybody. Uh, I think the challenge that you have to take into account is quit looking at the names. And while if you do look at the names, understand that a lot of guys moved around. Cardinals have remained reasonably together. So, you know, I, I really like their chances. They may not wow people. But defensively, man, they're as good as anybody. And if you can play defense, you got a chance to win some games. Some people wouldn't expect you to. The uh, right now, the lead, the the most, oh, the highest over under in uh, for win totals for the season. You have both the Astros and the Dodgers sitting at ninety five and a half games. Mm-hmm. About Those right. Are, yeah, yeah. That's right. what they have. Here's the one I, I I mentioned it. You know, I mentioned earlier that last year, whatever the Cardinals were set at was was free money uh, with with what the win total was set at here's one this year that i think is free money the cubs right now they're over under is set at 77 and a half games they'll beat that easily yeah easily they they are easily going to be 500 or above on the season they've got to figure out some things pitching wise but i i think that their everyday lineup yeah looks intriguing whole lot of strikeouts in that lineup man whole lot of strikeouts when you think of swanson you think of the uh, third baseman uh, who almost set the record last year had he stayed in the lineup. Uh, Tony Wisdom. Bellinger. Yeah, Wisdom, Tony Bellinger. I mean, they've got some guys that can strike out. Yeah. So you got to be careful there. Uh, the pitching, your starters are going to be okay. Hendrick is not going to be around, be back for a little bit, so you can't count on him. Uh, you don't have anything in their organization that's really formidable. So they're going to have to make this thing up as they go. And as far as the bullpen is concerned, I think that's going to be a question mark for them also. Yeah. And for some reason, uh, Brewers are sitting at 85 and a half. And I don't get that just, at all. No, I don't. I, I don't. I saw, I saw something come out earlier that had the Brewers winning the central again. And I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand where How? the love comes. I don't, they can't I, yeah, hit. Exactly. No. They don't have a guy in that lineup. You say, oh, we may have to pitch around him. Right. And exactly. I don't think you I don't think you can win if you don't have some thump in your order where teams have to think about how to pitch to you. Yeah, makes no sense. No sense at all. That's why you got, got to quit fooling with these guys and quit listening to them because they don't know what they're talking about. They, they proved it last year. They didn't know what they were talking. No. About. Yeah, it's it, it makes no sense at all. All right. Klaibs, he's down in uh, he's down in Jupiter, Florida. Hey, Kamish is going to be there. Was Kamish there? Uh, no, he gets in at, tonight. He gets uh, in down today. at the uh, facility in Jupiter. He gets yet? in today. Okay, so Rick Hummel, the newest member of our team, he will be uh, he'll be down there in Jupiter as well. So we look forward to his coverage down at spring training. Uh, follow along all week here on Klabe's Online for all of our coverage of spring training. And then, uh, um, not that I'm counting or anything, Klabe's, but it's 22 days until I get down to Florida. Not that I'm not that I'm counting, but 22 days until uh, until I'm getting on a plane and flying down to uh, to Florida. Well, I kind of take it day to day. Yeah. Um, we'll see you when you get here. <laughs> and when you get here, you'll have a chance to drive uh, the official vehicle for the uh, for Claves Online covering spring training. And that's a nice Highlander from our good friends at Munganas Burkhart Toyota of Illinois. 
of Alton, Illinois, and there it is. Uh, it gets me around. Great gas mileage. Very spacious. Has all the bells and whistles you would want and gives you a very comfortable ride that you normally don't see with some SUVs. They have a good selection on stock, on hand and at the uh, dealership, or you can go online and check them out as well and build your own car. You know, a lot of these companies where you can go online and kind of build your own car, your color, your, your interior, all the other things you want inside of it or on the outside of it. But you can do that. But you can also go in and deal with some of the sharpest people you're going to find when it comes to helping you make the right selection that works for you. They've got an incredible sales team, very knowledgeable. They're continuing to get cars in on a regular basis. And they've got a great used car selection as well. So if you're thinking about it, do something about it. Go by and check them out. Munganess Burkhardt Toyota of Illinois, of Alton, Illinois. Swing by. Tell them we sent you. Tell them you want to take a look at something like I'm driving. And I think once you see how smooth it is, you might be the next one to be a happy customer because you shopped at Munganass Burkhardt Toyota of Alton, Illinois. The 805 Homer Adams Parkway in Alton, Illinois. You'll find them online at altontoyota.com. Look forward to seeing how much of a uh, tank of gas you leave me when I pick that car up from you. In, you get around uh, the middle of March. <laughs> you get around. You'll be able to get to the gas station. Oh, we need to take a break. We'll come back. We got blues stuff, uh, blues uh, news and notes to talk about coming up right after this. It's lunch with Claves and Joe. St. Louis Acura has an unbeatable selection of new and pre-owned vehicles. We have over 200 vehicles on hand and in transit. Get the new 2023 MDX or Integra with up to $1,000 in loyalty. Rebates and financing as low as 3.9% for 60 months. You can also lease the 2023 MDX for as low as $599 a month. Or get a pre-owned certified MDX with 3.99% financing. St. Louis Acura, better than ever for you. Klaibs, the uh, trade deadline for the NHL, still a um, still a little bit away, but the Blues have been completely cleaning house. Last time we talked, it was Vladimir Tarasenko. Now it is Ryan O'Reilly as he is on the move. The Blues, though, sitting with three first-round draft picks in the, uh, the upcoming draft, and I believe at last count, now only seven players left from the uh from the 2019 Stanley Cup championship team but the uh the Blues trading away their captain and well up until now I, I guess they've they've made probably the two biggest trades so far of the deadline I would think so um when you look at what they've done so far and it's not like it's a deep market Bo Horvath was a pretty big deal too going to the Islanders but uh when you look at what the Blues have moved and what they've received in return uh it's a pretty good move uh, and I say that only to say because Ryan O'Reilly, who I think might be one of the most popular captains in the history of the Blues, and I've been following him for, from day one, uh, his impact on and off the ice was something that you couldn't overlook. His leadership was stellar. Uh, he just checked every box. Uh, but with that said, he's a very valuable player to somebody who's in contention, and he'll do a really nice job in Toronto. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Now, when the Blues get these draft choices, it's really second-round picks. And here's why. The teams that the Blues have received first-round picks from draft behind the Blues. Okay, They don't draft in front of them. They draft behind them. So I look at those as extra second-round picks. Um, so it, it's, it's going to be a good situation. Now, what Doug Armstrong does with them, and by the way, he may not be done. He might be able to pick up a few other items along the way before the deadline passes. But does Doug Armstrong package these picks for a coveted player? Does he move up in the draft? Does he sit on them and try and develop them? This is supposedly going to be a good two to three round deep draft where there's some guys that can step in and maybe help you early on. The Blues have always been shrewd about developing players and making sure they get a chance. Hasn't worked out with Jake Neighbors so far this year, but there have been some other guys who've had a reasonable career uh, having been developed instead of thrown into the fire. So it'll be something we should pay attention to in if they use the draft choices on how quickly those players can play. Because at this point, Joe, Blues don't have enough good players, period. I mean, you look at that roster now, uh, they're playing some minor league guys that probably have no business here, but they don't have anybody else. No. And the minor league guys that they've called up really haven't done very much. And uh, they're in a tough spot. Yeah, so they, they need they bodies. Had tough, they had a real tough weekend at Enterprise too. Yeah, uh, that that game, that, that game was not a, 
they were outclassed. Let's put it that way. I mean, yeah. at one point they only had five shots on goal and they were in the second period. Yeah. Uh, and last night was or yesterday afternoon wasn't much better. You know, Ottawa was one point better than the Blues, and they went in and just destroyed the Blues. And Thomas Grice got very little help defensively. They weren't very good. Uh, it's the same old story. And I tweeted this out what three weeks ago to blow it up, and now you see why you should blow it up because this is not just a lack of skill. This is, in my opinion, a lack of character. There's some so, guys who just haven't stepped up. Barbashev, does he uh, does he get moved before the yeah, deadline? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And then which uh, which defenseman are you moving? <sighs> are you trying? Is, is Pareko the one you want to move? Only if I have my eye on somebody physically that can create that presence. Uh, Pareko, I would probably move because I don't know if that's going to get any better. Right. And that's what I'm saying. If you have a choice, is Pareko, if you look at your defenseman, are you looking at it, what can I get back or what do I want to move on from? You know, I tell you, um, is he a guy you go straight up for Chickering from Arizona? For Pareko? Yeah. I think Chickering right now is the top guy left that that's going to be moved. I think so if they're I thought, gonna, if I mean I they're thought... going to want a bigger. I think the the Coyotes are going to want a bigger package. Okay, so what if I give Pareko Pareko and a pick, and one of your one of the firsts? No, it'd be a, it would probably be a second pick. I'm not giving up Pareko and a pick for this guy. A I, first I, round. I pick. think I think the Coyotes are going to want a bigger package back for him than what the what the Maple Leafs gave up for O'Reilly. Or what the Maple Leafs, yeah, to get O'Reilly. Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, no, I, I think you can get him for Pareko a second or maybe third round pick. Maybe a second and third. Maybe second and a prospect. And I think that should do it. It's uh, The trade deadline is Friday, March 3rd at 2 o'clock Central Time. That is uh, so still over 10 days left before the uh, the trade deadline comes and goes in the uh, in the NHL for the Blues to make some more moves and uh, and continue to blow up this roster. Speaking like, of, of blowing up that 2019 uh, roster, which I don't know if you count Sammy Blaze because he left and then came back in this deal. So I don't know if you consider that part of the roster for that because they did. He he did leave for a short period of time, but still, that's uh, where where the Blues sit right now for how quickly things can dissolve. Well, think about a few things here. You had some players because of age and skill weren't uh, weren't as effective as they needed to be in the first place. You had some other guys that you you had to decide on whether you were going to keep or not financially, and you elected not to sign Petrangelo and David Perron. So I, I don't really have as big of an issue with losing players, Jake Allen went uh, in the offseason. So, I mean, those things happen. I, I think the unfortunate thing was the Blues found themselves playing uh, in the playoffs against a teams in the bubble, and they never were able to adjust to it. And then after that, they had some injuries the following year, uh, made a run for it, but, you know, just weren't the same Stanley Cup team that we had anticipate having. And those things are going to happen. You know, I just think their situation was unique. And, you know, as I look back at the guys and throw in the fact you lost a couple of guys due to the expansion draft, I look at it this way. Uh, moving guys is good because when you look at the guys who moved on, I'm not sure if any of those guys are having stellar careers once they left the St. Louis Blues. And I, I think that in that case, you just kind of say, well, you know, it's part of the, it's business. I mean, you know, when you sign these players – long-term deals and or uh, the no trade clauses in these contracts, it really hamstrings you. And the way the blues like to spend money up to the cap, uh, this day was going to come. Yeah. So we, uh, yeah, the, the 10 days until, or I guess 11 days until the trade deadline in the NHL claims last night, it was the NBA all-star game, NBA all-star weekend, all weekend long in, uh, in Utah. I think it's safe to say that players did not get into trouble the way they did back in the day when the all-star game was in Vegas. Uh, Charles Barkley was making that very, uh, very clear during the broadcast yesterday that, he was having absolutely no fun at all in uh, during his time in Salt Lake City. There was no booze or anything for him to uh, to partake in while he was uh, while he was there. 
But the uh, the game last night, we saw for the first time a pregame draft of all of the players. And then you saw three of the faces of the NBA. Kevin Durant didn't suit up. Giannis played for 10 seconds. And LeBron didn't play the entire second half. Where would you, uh, what, what were your thoughts as you watched last night's All-Star game? I enjoyed it. I enjoy watching some of the stars of the future take over like Jason Tatum. I got a kick out of watching Donovan Mitchell and Damon Lillard uh, take jump shots from half court. Um, so you didn't have the, the, the players who were on the other sides of their career that didn't play. Now, Giannis is a different story. And Giannis did that to protect himself because he injured his hand earlier in the week. I didn't have a problem with the game. I had a problem with the length of the, the selection, the concert, and everything else. Look, man, I just want to see the game. Okay, you. I love the introductions. Uh, they've changed quite a bit, but all the other things I did not need. I, I do too. That, that's I was when I was watching it last night. I it's a four-hour event. Yeah, but I said something. You know, that's watching that last night made me also realize my favorite thing about going now to the baseball MLB All Star Game is watching the player introductions because a lot of times you get guys that okay, it's their eighth All Star selection. You know, they've been there. They're veterans of it. You know, they're, they're locks every year, but then you get the guys, who was it from Indy, Indiana, Hal Burton, 22 yeah. years old, who knows if he'll ever be an all-star again, but I mean, it's his first all-star game that he gets to be in around all these guys. And that's a really cool moment when you see these guys get to play in their first all-star game that you're not familiar with. They play in a market that you don't watch that doesn't get primetime games and it's their time to be in the spotlight. I, I think that part's really cool. I think that could be said for any All Star game. That's what no, that's what I said. That's yeah. what watching watching that reminded me of yeah. why I like the, the what I like at the MLB All Star games. Watching that and you see who the Rockies representative is for the game. It's like okay, you know, if that guy was on any other team, he's probably not pitching in this game. But you know what? He's on the Rockies. They had to take somebody, and they took him. Yeah, that's that's been the history of All Star games to give those other markets some exposure they normally wouldn't get. Um, yeah, I didn't have a problem with the game. Uh, I just thought everything else took too long. It, it was a four-hour production. Uh, the better version of the game, and kudos to T Turner, TBS had Ernie, Shaq, Charles, and Kenny, while the uh, TNT had the uh, the straight version of uh, um, Candace Reggie Parker Miller. and Brian yeah. and uh, Reggie Miller. So you had your pick. If you wanted some deep analysis, you you went with Turner. If you want to see, hear some guys have some fun, you went with the the, the crew from uh, inside the NBA. What'd so you go with? I went with the inside the NBA. I, I mean, went with the I I started on that one and it lasted about five minutes and I was like, eh, I, I need to see. <laughs> I I need a little more structure in my broadcast. No, I, it was fine. I, I mean, you know, the, they let the pictures they let the pictures take care of itself. Now sometimes they get off the track. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, and if anybody turned it on to get a straight up broadcast and they were already off base in that situation. But, you know, what? it was it was kind of like a Manning cast to a point where they had a lot of different moving parts taking place while the game was taking was game was going on. Yeah. Jason Tatum, you mentioned 55 points in the uh, in the game last night. He and Jalen Brown just kind of kept going back and forth at each other trying to that's that's the only thing I enjoy about the having the, the pickup game draft of sorts as you get teammates facing off against each other in in this that's that's the only benefit is having a situation like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum otherwise I don't see a reason why they needed to switch it away from east versus west I agree uh, I'm more of an east west guy um you know they they've kind of muddied this thing up quite a bit but um uh, you know what fans enjoy it um they got what they were looking for a lot of points and they got a chance to see guys really show some skills they normally don't show on a nightly basis, uh, which made it fun. Yeah, I, I did also enjoy Giannis showing up with a with a binder, a book for his draft. I mean, he came he came really prepared for that, and then three picks in was completely uh, screwed up because he didn't realize he wasn't allowed to draft John Morant in the first uh, in the first set of picks. He was nervous because of TV. You know. <laughs> He, you know, he did a good job of trying to be a showman up there. Uh, he, he really tried hard to, uh, to showcase his, his talents. Here's what I like about him. 
uh, whether it's an all-star game or game seven, his his intensity and commitment to winning and being a team guy is something I've come to appreciate. Uh, I know I think one of the guys said last night he he's the new face of the league or one of the new faces because he he's about everything that's right with the game. Uh, and I think the way he carries himself is something that we can all build around. Uh, his physical skills are unmatched. But I think overall, when you look at what his impact is, not only on a small market in Milwaukee, but he's such a recognizable player around the NBA that uh, you can certainly hang your hat and build on his foundation. As we move into the uh, second half of the season now in the NBA, Klaibs, um, two big things are, are about to happen. Two big signings are about to happen. Kevin Love uh, buyout was reached with the Cavaliers. It looks like he is going to uh, South Beach and he's going to sign with the Heat. And Russell Westbrook is going to stay in Los Angeles. Uh, the Jazz are going to buy him out and uh, the uh, he's going to go to the Clippers. I think those two moves really help those teams. Um, Kevin Love still has some basketball left in him. I think he's a very serviceable player. I think with Cleveland going with the youth movement, uh, they wanted to get some other guys some more playing time. And, you know, Kevin Love is in a better situation today than he was in Cleveland. Uh, with regard to Russell Westbrook, I think that's one of the better signings of this whole thing. You know, I, I don't know what went wrong for Russ in, uh, in, with the Lakers. But I still think the guy can play, and I think they can use him in different roles. Now they know he can come off the bench and provide, uh, and I think he gives them a little bit more leadership. They've got some really good pros on that team. Uh, I think he's going to be a very good complement to the Los Angeles Clippers. What? Uh, who, who are you looking at now as, as the trade deadline's come and gone? We, we have those moves. Who is your favorite right now in the NBA? Oh, good question. Um I would say Phoenix because of their their experience. I'm a little concerned about their depth. We um, haven't, we still haven't seen Kevin Durant in that lineup either. Yeah. So I mean, until we see them, those guys. Well, they next, got enough to compete right now. Right, they I mean, do. They but until yeah, as it is. So I mean, it, this this Kevin Durant thing is icing on the cake. Um, I'm not sure about Denver. I know they have the MVP and he's a very solid player, but they've got some question marks in some other areas. I'm not going to discount Golden State. I know they've been hurt a lot and they can't win on the road, but they are the Golden State Warriors and they may find a way to make this interesting before not. So I'm not going to discount them. Uh, the Lakers are a team that can beat anybody. They can't beat everybody. So I'm not really worried about them. If they get a one and done, that might be just enough for them. But overall, I think the West is more balanced. I'm not sure if they're stronger, but I think they're more balanced. I think the East is four teams. It's Philadelphia, it's Boston, it's Milwaukee, and I'll throw Milwaukee in that. I mean, uh, Miami in that group as well. There's some teams on the periphery that are knocking at the door. Uh, you know, you look at teams like the Pacers who, who are trying to make that next step. There's a lot of teams looking to make that next step, but how they get there, I'm not sure. Yeah, the uh, the, the Warriors you mentioned, 7-22 and 22 on the road this year. They're 22-7 and seven at home. That is... Uh, you, there, I there's think they call not, it stark contrast. Yeah, uh, there's there. You will not find a bigger difference in, in the NBA than uh, than what the what the Warriors are doing um, home and away from Oakland. It is it is unbelievable. Um, Claves, let's take our final break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up. We got uh, we got Battle Hawks to talk about and a few other things from this past weekend. And we will do that right here on lunch with Claves and Joe right here on ClavesOnline.com. There's always been a bright side to living in downstate Illinois. Amron, Illinois is making it even brighter with a little help from the sun. Right now, we're building a next generation solar facility to bring you cleaner energy for generations to come. It's good for the environment, your neighborhood, and everyone living in downstate Illinois. That's brighter thinking. That's energy at work. Learn how you can participate in solar programs at AmronIllinois.com renewables. Final segment here of lunch with Claves and Joe here on ClavesOnline.com, powered by Amron, Illinois, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura and also Munganass Burkhart Alton Toyota, the official car of spring training coverage here on ClavesOnline.com. Claves live in Jupiter right now. Rick Hummel on his way down to Jupiter and route down to Jupiter right now. 
and uh, we will have his first uh, piece of work up on the website very soon. Um, uh, on top of that, too, just a little teaser for people, Claves. Uh, let, let them know what you did last week. That's going to be up on ClavesOnline.com this week. Yeah, um, last week, late in the week, we had a chance to sit down with uh, two guys that had never met each other before I got them in the same area, and that's Ozzie Smith and Nolan Arenado, the Hall of Famer. And Nolan Arenado had a sit-down, and we covered a lot of different things. The admiration those two have for each other, it was really impressive. Uh, how they trained, how they approached the game, what they did when they were tired, uh, little things that they do as far as getting themselves ready for a game. So we kind of peel off a few layers of it, and uh, we will air it later this week, and we'll give everybody a heads up on when it premieres. But I think it's something that all baseball fans and certainly Cardinal fans are going to appreciate. Can't wait for uh, for that, and to, uh, I haven't seen it either, so it'll be my first time watching it with the uh, the rest of our viewers when we get that posted. The uh, hey, St. Louis, uh, the Blues, they're, they're struggling right now, so it's time to rally behind St. Louis's other franchise other sports team before the Cardinals get started. And that's the Battle Hawks, the St. Louis Battle Hawks getting their season started yesterday down in Texas with a win in the first game of the season, 18 to 15 claves, all thanks to the, uh, the three point conversion from AJ McCarron to rock and roll Austin Prohl as uh, the clock was winding down in that game. You know, for the first three quarters and I was in and out, I was, I said, this is, this is not good. It was very uninspiring. Uh, they couldn't tackle. They couldn't block. And then all of a sudden, in the last three and a half, four minutes, they found something. Uh, it almost appeared that San Antonio thought they had it in the bag in the way they scored. And uh, I give the Battle Hawks credit. They they did battle, and they found themselves in a position where they were able to get the win. I'm, I'm trying to digest some of the new rules that they're trying to implement. Uh, it appears that they're trying to make sure that you're never out of a game, which is good. It creates interest. Uh, let's see how much of an impact it has during the course of the season. Uh, but you know what? So far, so good. Yeah, the uh, the Battlehawks, by the way, their well, their next game is this Thursday night. It's a uh, Thursday night game on FX. Their next two games are on FX. That's uh, that's a little different from the last go around of the XFL. Their first home game is not until March twelfth, Sunday. March 12th is their first home game. There's uh, just too much stuff going on at the Dome these uh, these next few weekends. So the Dome wasn't open for uh, for them to play there. So their first three games are on the road. I, I did not know that the XFL was starting this weekend. Saturday morning is when I found out that the XFL's first game of the season was this weekend. And I, I think that a lot of that, I know that they've been marketing it. I know the, the Rock is constantly posting about it. I know they do great on social media, but it really hurts that they are not here in St. Louis. Yeah, How? they're the St. Louis Battlehawks. Because the last go around, I thought the Battlehawks did such a good job of getting out in the community. They went out in the community and they were like, hey, we are your new football team. We are St. Louis's football team. They sold more tickets. They sold more merchandise than any other of the other seven uh, XFL teams that were there in 2020. And they, they, you know, they did the bar. They went to different bars every week. They did coaches Q and A's. They got out in the community and they felt like they were, they made, they made themselves feel, they, they made it feel like they were an important team and they're not here. They're practicing down in Texas. They're going to fly up here for the games. There isn't the connection that they had with the fans who in 2020, the fans were itching for football. They wanted football back because it was something that was taken away from them. That's not. So here you're right saying now. because they didn't go out and have a beer or have a barbecue or a bake sale with some fans that that's going to hurt their situation. I, I think as of right now, I think their ticket sales and their merchandise sales are still leading all of the other XFL franchises. I'm saying as far as local interest goes, I think that not being based here and not having a, a presence in the community is not go. It does not make people maybe realize when the games are, or maybe buy in winning helps winning yesterday helps. I, I think now people are very well aware that the battle Hawks are, are here after yesterday's win. But I think leading into yesterday, I think that was missing. Um, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you on this. Uh, I, I think if the Battle Hawks, I, I'll meet you halfway. If the Battle Hawks picked a day like on a Thursday, where they took maybe four players and a coach and had them come to St. Louis and spend part of Thursday and Friday working working the area, that'd be fine. Or maybe they do it on a Friday, Thursday, yeah, Thursday or Friday. Um, and they did that every week, maybe. Uh, I just don't think you can get around and do enough in that period of time. I, I'm not a believer that having a barbecues and bake sales and drinking beer with players and things of that nature moves the needle that much. Uh, if you want to have coaching clinics, have them in the offseason. If you want to have players come in and be involved, have them come in before the season starts. Uh, but this is something they're trying to do in order to keep this league survivable. I get it. Uh, everything is centrally located and maybe over time they might expand. But, uh, you know, as far as community engagement, I mean, we all knew what we were signing up for. I think if the Battle right. Hawks wanted to get the word out, they probably would do it in a better manner than what they're doing now as far as letting people know what's going on. Uh, if it if it wasn't for TV, local TV, and I don't know how long that's going to last because once the Cardinals get rolling and you got this soccer team that's going to get rolling, somebody's going to come up short, okay? And, and and for the soccer team, who, by the way, I don't even know anybody there. Uh, I've interviewed the, the head coach yesterday, uh, Luce Vonsenstiel, and uh, seemed like a very nice guy. I've met him a couple of times before. But from a PR standpoint, I don't know anything about this team. They've not reached out to anybody I know. They didn't. They haven't even announced who their broadcasters are. So I mean, oh. it's it's and the game is this week. Yeah, Saturday. So one of these teams is going to come up short on PR and exposure. And I can tell you the team. I I can tell you who it won't be. It won't be the Cardinals because they've already got a foothold. <laughs> and once they start playing games on the weekend then I can assure you both of those teams better find something to do uh, in order to create some greater interest than what they already have. I'm happy that the Battle Hawks won. Uh, I wish them nothing but the best. I think I'd call that a little more than a foothold, what the Cardinals have over the uh, the Battle Hawks. Well, they got a 130-plus-year head start on them, so that, that helps. <laughs> 11 world titles, you know, billions of dollars in Now, weren't the Battle uh, Hawks pick to win this thing? Around, yeah. Weren't they pick? They, uh, they are the uh, the Vegas favorites. Yes, they are the Vegas favorites to win. Yes, I don't know how you decide that. Looking at the roster and figuring out who's who, I don't know how you decide who uh, who the favorites are to win. But they are the favorites to win. Yes, I tell you what was amusing. Paxton Lynch, who John Elway thought was a can't miss quarterback, a first round quarterback, bounced around in the NFL for a little bit. First round pick gets pulled from a game yesterday. Yeah. I mean, I was on, I, I remember I, being on the Paxton Lynch uh, bandwagon too, when he, uh, when he came into the league. So that's uh yeah, that's, that's a rough, uh, rough start for his XFL career. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Did I uh, see uh, who was um, Josh? Uh, what's uh, the former Browns player that, that kept getting suspended? Josh Allen. No, 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 no not no. Josh, Josh Allen. I know you talked about, yeah, yeah. He, he's on a team. I yeah. know exactly who you talk. He had some substance abuse problems in the past and uh, bounced around a little bit. Yeah, Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon. That's it. Yeah, yeah. You did see him out yeah. there. Yeah. So he uh, seventy-four yards and a touchdown yesterday for uh, for the former Browns. All right, that's enough battle. Uh, he's, he's with, yeah, he's we, with we, the we Seattle Sea Dragons. Hey, the, whole, the only thing I got left, and uh, you going to the Honda Open this weekend? It may be the la well. This will be the last Honda Open, I believe. Really, uh, I think I think they lose their sponsorship after this year. Uh, they're still no going to keep a. P there, they hope to. Okay, that, that this whole thing is kind of in a state of flux right now. Uh, they say they intend to have a PGA event here, but I don't know who the title sponsor is going to be. And to be quite honest with you, I haven't heard much of a buzz about it. I know we we're going to have some people down here for it. The weather has been spectacular. It's going to be warm. It's going to be yeah. mid eighties. So this is unusual for some, but overall um, I think the biggest problem that this tour has, or this event has, they can't get the local guys to play. I mean, there's a lot of good local players who don't participate in this thing. And, uh, and, and here's the other thing. Most of them aren't that good, but they mm. are a name. And, you know, it's just, it's unfortunate. Let me ask you why we're on the subject of golf for a brief moment. 
Does anybody know where these live players are? Because, you know, they, they've done such a poor job of marketing their game other than making the announcement they were going to overpay for these golfers. Uh, but I have not heard a word about DeChambeau or any of the other guys who headed for the hills for the money. No complaint about that. I understand. But, man, Liv has got to figure something out because the one thing that I've noticed in watching the PGA the last couple of weeks, there are some good young players. I don't know if the courses are as tricked up as they've been in the past. I think we've seen some guys really play some really good golf, and they're making a name for themselves as it is. And they're getting a lot of head start on the uh, live tour as far as his impact, because those guys are going to get paychecks and they're going to be playing in front of nobody. Yeah, the um, the next live actually their season kicks off this uh, this weekend. They are in El Camaleon Golf Course down in Mexico. Mayacoba, Mayacoba, Mexico. I have not played it, so I don't know nothing about it. Yeah, you know what we have to do? We have to get Troy Mullen on. She's going to be one of the sideline reporters. Okay. For the live tour. All so right. We, we got to get her on. I'm anxious you, you, to talk to her about a couple of things. You work on that then. Uh, I know you got Kevin Weeks coming up too, right? Kevin Weeks coming up later this week. We uh, we, we we had a connection yesterday, and uh, we're going to reconnect hopefully tomorrow. So we'll uh, talk with him. Uh, Alex Ferrario will join us later in the week as well to kind of assess the Blues damage as the Blues are out on a road trip. So uh, we got a few things to get into on that front. And, of course, uh, you can check us out a little later today on some, and here's some of what Oliver Marmel had to say about his ball club as they got their first uh, spring training workout, official workout underway today. We, uh, yeah, we will have you definitely covered on all things baseball related, along with everything else going on in the sports world right here on Claves Online. Anything else on your mind before we uh, sign off for today? Uh, I think I'm pretty good for today. I got all right. it all out of my system. I well, enjoy your 80 degree weather down there. I think it's reaching 62 at some point here today. That's a good so start, though. That's we'll, moving the right direction. Yeah, we, we will enjoy that for the, uh, for the time being. He is Mike Claiborne. I am Joe Roderick. This has been another edition of Lunch with Claves and Joe, powered by Amron, Illinois, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Munganass Burkhart, Alton Toyota, right here, ClavesOnline.com. From our roots in St. Louis, Royal Banks of Missouri is branching out to continue serving you with our locations in St. Charles, Jerseyville, Granite City, and now in Hannibal Center and New London. Royal Banks of Missouri, the community bank in your community.